national company. Uh, so uh, that, that, that certainly seems likely, but I don't think that would satisfy the calls of the U.S. for decoupling. So uh, you know, over the long term, this is definitely not uh, an issue that's going to go away. Ross, thanks very much indeed. Always good to talk to you. That's Ross Feingold, who's Business Development Director at SafePro Group over in Taipei. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Around Asian stocks, just a reminder that, first of all, Japanese shares are closed today and tomorrow. Uh, down in Australia, the ASX 200 up 0.7%. In South Korea, the Cosby has risen also 0.7%. And futures markets indicating that Hang Seng is going to add about 1% when trading gets going later on this morning. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil pretty stable around $72.00. 31 cents a barrel. Gold is slipping a little bit. It's at $1,802 an ounce. Thank you very much indeed for listening this morning. Stay tuned for the news next and then back chat with Hugh Chiverton and Nixie Lamb. The weather forecast for today, sunny periods and isolated showers. Hot during the day, a maximum temperature of around 32 degrees and it will be very hot and hazy apart from a few showers in the next couple of days. The temperature right now, 28 degrees, 85% relative humidity. Just gone 8.31, here's Todd Harding with the half-hour news. A representative of the convention industry says the government is imposing more rather than fewer restrictions on it by including it in its vaccine bubble scheme. Stuart Bailey, the chairman of Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association, was commenting after the government said from today gatherings such as exhibitions and ceremonial events could be held at 100% capacity if two-thirds of participants had had at least one COVID jab. Mr Bailey said the requirements were both unnecessary and logistically impossible. The idea of having a vaccine bubble for large-scale events is logistically almost impossible, plus the fact that it's completely unnecessary. According to the government figures, Hong Kong has now gone for 43 days with zero local infections. During that time, a number of exhibitions have taken place with the safety protocols in place. So social distancing, mask wearing, temperature checks, sanitisation, regular cleaning, increased airflow inside the venue, scanning the Leave Home Safe app, etc., proving that actually there is no further requirement for tightening the restrictions. The disgraced former Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein has pleaded not guilty to 11 new charges of rape and sexual assault involving five women at a preliminary hearing in California. The BBC's Reagan Morris is in Los Angeles. The former film producer appeared in Los Angeles Superior Court in a wheelchair and a prison-issued brown shirt and trousers. He returned to L.A. after losing his fight to block extradition from New York, where he is already serving 23 years in prison for rape and other sex crimes. Weinstein has denied having non-consensual sex with anyone and is appealing the New York conviction and sentence. Weinstein's accusers say the L.A. case is essential for them to be heard and that they hope a guilty verdict in California would ensure that he spends the rest of his life behind bars. Press freedom campaigners have urged Israel to halt exports of the country's high-tech spy software following allegations that it's been used against journalists. The Reporters Without Borders organization says such sales should be stopped until regulations are put in place. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host today is Nixie Lamb. Nixie, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about emigration and about the DSE results. 
secondary school principals this week have been urging the chief executive to, quote, listen to the people and find out why so many Hong Kongers are emigrating. But Carrie Lam has brushed off the recent exodus of residents, saying every now and then in the history of Hong Kong there are such emigration trends. The CEO added that people make different choices as they enter different stages in their lives and it's a personal choice for them to emigrate to other countries. She said, but if you really ask me to say something to those who seek to emigrate or have already emigrated, I would tell them Hong Kong has a prosperous future. How many actually are leaving Hong Kong? Do we know who is attracted to leave and why are they leaving? What are the pros and cons of setting up life elsewhere? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page. That's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our number is 233-88266. is the number. After 9.20, we're discussing DSC results. Students this year standing a better chance, it's reported, of getting into local universities with just 1.4 students fighting for uh, each place. Uh, thoughts on that uh, later. Backchat at rthk.hk. Once again, uh, is our email address... Uh, and a reminder that uh, tomorrow, for the uh, for the whole program, we're going to be talking to the uh, chief executive, uh, Karen Coe, and myself. We'll be uh, talking to uh, uh, Carrie Lam. Uh, as I say, that will be from uh, 8.30 all the way through until 9.30, uh, we hope. Um, uh, we won't be taking uh, calls uh, or emails uh, during the programme, but if there's something you'd like us to talk about, um, drop us a line uh, before then. Uh, backchat at rthk.hk, the same address, and we'll see if we can work that into into the uh, discussion. So that's the Chief Executive um, joining us for the full programme uh, tomorrow. As I say, not taking calls uh, or emails in the course of the programme, um, but if there's something, as I say, in advance you want to raise, drop us a line, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Richard in an email says, Dear Backchat, isn't it time you stopped, you stepped back on political issues and focused more on illegal activities, trading, money laundering, people smuggling and the many other issues our government is not dealing with? The South China Morning Post is featuring in these issues. We would welcome a series uh, of discussions by you as to how these nefarious activities such as drug smuggling are under surveillance. Surely the government officials can come on your programme to discuss. That comes uh, from Richard. Uh, joining us for our discussion now, we have with us uh, Janine Mew, who's a Hong- uh, UK uh, immigration lawyer, founder of a UK immigration uh, specialist. Uh, in a moment, we'll be joined, we hope, by uh, Regina Yip, a uh, lawmaker, member of the Executive Council, chairwoman of the New People's Party, uh, and we hope John Bacon Schoen, honorary professor now at the Faculty of Social Science at the University of Hong Kong. Once again, our email is uh, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Janine Mew, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us today. First of all, the, the, you know, the obvious question is, how many people are, are leaving? And you're, uh, We'll set aside um, Canada and the other places for the moment, but say for the UK... Do we have any idea how many people are going? Yes, indeed. I think it would be interesting to look at some figures. Mm -hmm. In fact, according to a census report in the UK back in 2001, the total population of Hong Kong people in the UK was only about 96,000. The number has increased to 110 in 2011 and growing steadily for the past 10 years. However, since the VNO scheme was launched earlier this year, the UK government predicted that there will be 123,000 of BNO applications for the first year and reaching 238,000 applications within the next five years. The reality is that 
only two months after the scheme is launched, the UK government has already received 34,000 applications and estimated that total number of applications for the first year will be reaching 150,000. Okay, so they estimate that 150,000 applications in the, in the first year. Yes. Okay, and that's, so that's above the expected level? It is. Okay, uh, all right. But again, that's a prediction. We don't actually know. And that's applications for people, uh, so that doesn't mean necessarily that they're going. Um, I think a lot of people are making the application. According to our experience, I would say 90% of my clients who make the applications are planning to go within the next year. Mm. And maybe for the remaining 10% of people, they want to have the visa as an assurance. And so if they wish to go, they can go anytime as they wish within the next five years. So, so if is that like heads of households or would that be everybody? If it was a family, would that include all the children and, every, and the whole... That would include all the children. That, that would everybody. be per applicant. So it would be 150,000 people. Yes, indeed. Co conceivably. Does that include like their parents and stuff? Uh, I think for most of the families, it would be, you know, for the couple itself, the mm -hmm. children. And for some of the families, they would consider bringing their elderly um, parents as well. Is there any difficulties like with like bringing the, the parents or is it easier for the, for the children and what's the deal? I think the deal is that usually the family would go as a family. Mm -hmm. um, I have come across some clients who would like to bring along their adult dependent, their family. Yeah. But I think the reality is that, I, from, from my experience, you know, some of the elderly people when they arrive UK, they do not really adapt to the UK lifestyle very well, and you know they miss Hong Kong. So I think a lot of people when they consider moving to the UK, they want to bring their parents. But reality is, I think not not all the parents enjoy moving to the UK and there are a lot of struggles and considerations. How do you see their, their decision-making process? I mean, like, how, what sparked their decision and how do, you, how do they plan for it? And how, how do you see, like, like, the planning stage? The planning stage, I think it's all about determination and preparation. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, when they, they have an idea about moving to the UK, there are a lot of struggles, mm -hmm. you know, from finding the right city to move to the UK. Um, the housing, whether they're considering they're buying or renting a property. Um, for most of the parents, the concern is about the catchment area for the children, for mm -hmm. better education, and more importantly, for career opportunities. Mm. Is it easy now? Like, I mean, I mean like, it's, it's tough. Like, like, you have to choose your city and you have to, a lot of decision to make. A lot of decision. Yeah. I think for some, if they have relatives or friends in the UK, they find it easier because they would like to live nearby. Mm -hmm. um, for some people, they might never ever been to the UK mm. and they would just have to look at, you know, property research or they just go to common areas where Hong Kong people would go. Like in the past, it would be London. And nowadays, I think it would be like Manchester, Birmingham and some of the popular cities. Like, how, what was the proportion for people that never been to the UK before? I think for people who come to me, I would say half of them have never been to the UK. Wow. That's a lot. Um, mm. And for the remaining half of them, I would say they have only been to the UK for tourism <laughs> like most of like the Hong Kong people <laughs> yeah like they've been tourism in like London the capital and surrounding cities mm -hmm. but I would say only a very small major of number of people have actually been study or worked there in the past and what about the demographics do you get a feel for uh, you know what the sort of age they are families uh, and, and like this and are they professionals are they mm. 
mm. grassroots people, you know, what sort of, where would they stand like that? I think we see a lot of younger families mm-hmm. in the past. Um, I have been doing immigration law for 10 years. I think in the past, when we talk about immigration, we see a lot of families in their you know, maybe 40 or even 50s, and they would go there for retirement for a better future and for some of them, you know, to, to pursue their dreams in the new countries. Mm. And I think for now, people, they move, although there are a lot of struggles, but I think they move because of the uncertainty, mm. um, because of political instability. And a lot of people would tell me that they, they want to fight for freedom. They want to fight for democracy. Um, and the rule of law and, you know, I think these are the major reasons why they decide to move. Mm. And what was the age group like now, like in their the 20s or 30s? I think and... 20s, 30s, but I think the major groups are about 30s and 40s. Okay. And typically families, typically people with young children? Typically families because they move for a, a better education for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also with us, as I say, is uh, Regina Yip now, a uh, uh, legislator, member of the Executive Council, chairwoman of the New People's Party. Ms. Yip, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us. The Chief Executive has kind of uh, brushed off this, this, uh, these uh, departures, uh, saying, you know, this, this is a trend, people make a, a, a personal choice. Uh, and um, what, what do you make of it? What do you think about these departures? It's nothing new, this wave of departures. We've seen it before in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, you know. Uh, loss of confidence, jitters about the future is nothing new. There has always been uncertainty about Hong Kong. Uh, of course, Hong then, Kong. The, I mean, then, then there was uncertainty about Hong Kong, just in the very status of Hong Kong, because, of course, it was, you know, there was a lease, there, there, there was a time limit, uh, and also it was a colony, so the circumstances were very different. Um, there's no particular reason why there should be uncertainties about the future of Hong Kong now. Its, it's, it's status is, it is settled, so there's something different happening, isn't there? Uh, of course, it's because of the commencement of the national security law and the reform of the electoral system. I can see that some people uh, may be disappointed or may think that they are affected. But um, unless you have been involved in activities which could fall foul of the national security law, there is no reason to be concerned. You know, I know large numbers of the people who are relieved that the, the riots have stopped. We no longer have to worry about um, 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 block, blockage of roads, people hurling firebombs, you know, that sort of activities every weekend. And of course, I think a lot of people who haven't been lived outside Hong Kong have a lot of um, illusions. So they are very naive about uh, foreign countries. Uh, some of them might think that their children will get better free education in the UK. But unless you can get into good private schools or you can afford to send your kids to public schools, you won't find the systems there uh, that superior. And there's also a lot of anti-Asian hatred and prejudice. The UK government actually has much stronger grip on freedom of expression than Hong Kong. They are amending their, their laws. They have, they, are, they have a, a bill, Police Crime Sentencing Courts Bill, before Parliament, which will make it an offence for one person to demonstrate if you cause a public nuisance. So a lot of Hong Kong people are, are unaware of this. They just thought of Western countries as freer 
and more democratic, greener pastures. And I think they will be disappointed. Mrs. Yip, this sounds like sour grapes. I've got to say, when you start when you, when you start trashing the education system in this place and, uh, and and so on, and racism, racial attacks, and things like that, it just sounds like you're being bitter. I'm not being bitter. I'm telling the, the truth. You know, uh, I have to say, Hong Kong education system up to senior secondary school is broken, broken by the new senior secondary uh, school curriculum implemented in 2009. And I have been berating that since I returned from the U.S. in 2006. It's an inferior curriculum, leaving a lot of room. It lacks academic discipline. I'm very disappointed at Hong Kong's education system. And I've written umpteen's articles on that. I mean, the, the point is, and I hope I get a chance to, to make this point to the chief executive tomorrow when, when we talk to her, that really it's the, it's the ultimate sort of condemnation when your population, especially young people with young children, are so pessimistic that they, that they flee, that they go somewhere else. That is the ultimate condemnation of a, of a, of a society and a, and a government and the people who are supposed to be leading that society, isn't it? Of course, when we have... Um Hong Kong people have always been sensitive about national security law. That's why large numbers demonstrated against the bill I championed almost 20 years ago. Now that it has become a fact, of course, there would be some impact on certain activities, gray area in the past, gray area activities uh, would now come under control. You know, um, it's a reflection of the loss of confidence on the part of part of some of our young people, but they do not represent all of our young people. And I bet they will be disappointed when they get to the UK. I already know people and engineer, engineers who are disappointed uh, okay, the, the, the UK. Okay, the Association of uh, Secondary School Principals has said that uh, the chief executive should listen to the people, find out why people are emigrating. Uh, I mean, this is a cause for, for, isn't it, for sadness and for reflection uh, rather than for an opportunity to slag off the UK? Well, I think she's listening all the time. I, I don't think she's... You she, think so? I, I don't think she, although she has not attend, attended town hall meetings and sort of thing, I don't think she is unaware. But, but her answer seems to be, I don't care why people are going, and that seems to be your your response as well. I'm not saying I don't care, but I, I'm saying this has happened before, you know. I think many will be disappointed. They will not find UK a better place than Hong Kong to live, you know. Uh, and if they, want, they, they, if they want to come back, it will be harder for them to establish homes in Hong Kong. Mm. That has happened to a lot of people who left Hong Kong. Those who betted against Hong Kong, a lot of them have lost, lost their money. That's a reality. What's the um, uh, 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 current like race? Is there any, anybody who just went to the UK and then came back to Hong Kong already? Like, because uh, I see I that know, on, I've, on some I've of heard the news. of stories of people yeah. already regretting. We don't have a figure or anything like. Well, that. Nobody has yeah. figures. Yeah. No, everything's anecdotal. You know, that uh, they can't find jobs. You know, do you think teachers, Hong Kong teachers, can find jobs teaching English in UK? Mm. Hmm? What about other yeah. other like like sectors? Is that any possibilities for the for the job role? I heard of one engineer who wants to who who is regretting it because engineers are better paid, you mm. know, in Hong Kong 
So they have to pay much higher tax, lower wages, uh, all sorts of contributions. You know, I think a lot of people are naive about job opportunities in the West. So do you think, like, if their decision is to move away from Hong Kong, then they should do better research rather than just like go? I think this is what everybody needed. does. This is what everybody does. They maybe they research some property property availability in inner cities, you know.、Um, but I also know young people who have come back. There's no lack of young people who are coming back. Our outstanding Hong Kong government, outstanding scholarship holders, they are coming back. Every year we award thirty to forty scholarships to. To study overseas for outstanding students, and they are coming back. Okay,、uh, Jenny Mia, have you heard of people coming back? Do you deal with that? Not that I am aware of. I think you know, life is about choices, and I, for people that I know and people come to me, you know, if they are decided to move and determined, I think they are open to take up any job opportunities in the UK.、Um, the minimum wage in the UK are higher than Hong Kong, as everyone knows. And I think for some of my clients, they decide to move. You know, they they know that they're giving them a lot of. Things that they have established in Hong Kong, their career, the social connections, and everything. But I think when they decide to move as a family, they are determined to start from zero, and they know that they have to rebuild their life. But I think because they are fighting for freedom, human rights, and I think you know they, they see that it's it's worth to make the decision. Right, what sort of well, if, if they are fighting for human rights, they'll be disappointed. UK is t- tightening up the law on public order. And they are also tightening up their national security law, allowing only two months for consultation.、Hmm? I allow three months, you know. And there will be more extensive laws requiring looking into、um, clamping down on foreign influences, infiltration, that sort of thing. So if some of them send emails back to their relatives in mainland China, probably if they don't, this group don't, you know. If they send emails back to political organizations in China, what if they could be accused of being foreign influencers?、Mm. Sorry, they they could be accused or, or being foreign influencers. Sorry, when you say could be accused, do you mean that they in law they, they would be? The, the, the UK is enacting laws, you know.、Oh, I see. They already issue a consultation paper. Sorry, that'd be. Be... Foreign infiltration. Okay, so anybody that... in UK could be at risk, particularly if you have connections with any part of China.、Uh, I see. So you're suggesting that people who people in UK citizens who who contact people in China might be、uh, might be、uh, accused of being spies or something. This has happened to people in the US. You know, Chinese people, Asian people in the US. What I'm saying. Is UK is not as free as these people thought.、Mm. No country is totally free. You know, in fact, UK has much tighter laws on freedom of speech than we do.、Mm-hmm. A- again, this this is not really looking at why people are leaving. You're just saying that they're wrong to leave. But again, you're not looking at the you're not looking at the causes. I mean, you're you're not concerned about that. I am. Well, the causes are quite obvious. First, the enactment of national security law. Oh, so they're obvious. Okay, so、which、we know we know why people are leaving. There's no point in talking to them or anything. Which is contentious. Which is contentious. You know, and of course, Hong Kong have long-standing economic, social problems. 
lack of upward mobility for young people. Um, a lot of young people uh, thought that uh, they they would have been better off. Life would be should have been better off compared to 1997. Um, so there's a, a, a loss of confidence in in the government. Its ability to de- deliver a good life for them. You know these are the usual reasons. Okay, well, we're also joined now by uh, John Bacon Schoen, uh, Honorary Professor in the Faculty of Social Science at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, Mr. Bacon Schoen, good morning to you. Thanks for, for joining us once again. Uh, uh, so it's hard to kind of pin down numbers on, on the people who are, who are leaving. What sort of information uh, do you have on, on, on uh, how many people are going? We're focusing on the UK in particular uh, this morning and, and why they're going. Sorry, we we're, we're, we're not able to get you properly. Sorry. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I historically the best information was the people applying for certificate of no conviction uh, from the police. It was traditionally the, the best information or from the consulates themselves. But I mean, obviously, with the British situation, it's a little bit more complicated than that to, to, to get information. But I think for other places, that tends to be reliable information. I mean, I, I think in this situation, um, the applications for for the uh, for citizenship in the UK, or at least sorry, visas in the UK, are, are probably the best information uh, in terms of people who at least are thinking of going. The, I mean, immigration information takes time to work out because when people leave, you generally don't know the reason why they're leaving. So I think it, it, in the short term, it's, it's hard to get hard numbers um, on exact numbers uh, of how many people are, are leaving. Right. Um... But, uh, we, we were hearing that the uh, that the British government is expecting, according to their calculations, by the end of the, this year, uh, 150,000 people to have applied for BNO. Is that right? Yes, yeah, BNO, BNO status. Yes, I mean, I think the the issue though is whether people actually follow through. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the experience of 1997, uh, well, after after June 4th, actually, as much as as 1997 was a lot of people went and then some people came back mm. so i think that it's a little hard at this stage to know whether people will actually go up and stay or they will go and decide that maybe this will be more fun. But, but i remember sorry we sorry not, not sorry can you say that again sorry we you're coming and going <laughs> Previously, there was lots of experience of people actually discovering it wasn't that easy to get a good job, mm-hmm. uh, and so and deciding to come back. I think particularly for people who went to Canada and Australia mm. um, after June 4th. So, I mean, I think some of those people will come back. There's right. no question of it. But it's at this time, at this time, I think it's very hard to know how how many of those people will come back later on. Right. I remember uh, in the 97 uh, time, uh, a lot of them just like, I mean, like mostly like the husband went there and then they leave their, uh, their, their kids, no, no, the kids and, and, the, and the wife went there and then the, the, the husband was still working in Hong Kong. Like, but, but now it seems like the whole family sort of like tend to just move it like 
just just leave everything, sell the house, sell the car, everything like that. So, so what, what do you see the difference? Well, I mean, different. I think because one of the situations this time around, I think 1997. Yes, it's true. Primary to get a foreign passport. Mm. Uh, well, this time, I think it's true. There are more families because they're thinking, well, I need to get my child in. All right, I think uh, I think we're we're, we're 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 basically losing you, yeah. uh, Mrs. Yip. Fi- finally, I mean, uh, yeah, if this if this is uh, if this is you know different from ninety seven, just in terms of demographics, in terms of uh, younger people, families going, uh, making this uh, permanent, uh, and of course, you know, in, before ninety seven, people were worried about about. Uh, you know whether things would change, and it seemed things didn't change, and so they they came back. But things have already changed now, haven't they? So it, it's it's a different situation, Mrs. Yip. Things are bound to change. You know, our constitutional status mm-hmm. has changed. I think we will continue to change if we are if we just so mesmerized by the slogan "50 years no change" that that we do not implement reform. I think Hong Kong will be doomed. And I think a key difference between the people leaving now, uh, why are the husbands not staying for, for the jobs, just sending the families away? A major reason is our economy has been in a downturn in the past two years. A lot of people do not have good jobs. They are pessimistic about their job future, so they thought they may as well leave. Okay. Well, Mrs. Yip, many thanks for for, for joining us. Uh, Member of the Executive Council, Chairwoman of the uh, New People's Party and uh, Legislator. We're going to continue the discussion after the news at nine, get to some uh, interesting emails uh, as well. Uh, And also going to be talking about the uh, DSC results, the uh, implications, and the implications for those uh, going on to uh, tertiary education. The weather before all that, sunny periods and isolated showers forecast for today. It's hot, temperatures up to about 32 degrees, and the outlook will be very hot and hazy apart from a few showers in the next couple of days. 28 degrees at the moment with a relative humidity now of 85%. Against Cuba's communist government. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back out this uh, Thursday morning with Nixie Lamb and me, Hugh Tiverton. We're talking about uh, immigration issues. Later, we're going to be talking about uh, education issues with those, the results of the uh, DSC, uh, looking at the uh, successes and what they mean for uh, people wanting to go into local uh, universities. Uh, and, of course, we want to hear from you uh, as ever. You can call us on 233-88266. We'll put you on air. 233-88266. Or you can comment on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or drop us an email. Backchat at rthk.hk uh, is our email uh, address. As I say, well, tomorrow we're also we're going to be talking to the uh, chief executive, uh, Carrie Lam, uh, and uh, we, we won't be taking emails and uh, calls uh, in the course of that. It's not a, it's not a phone-in. Um, but uh, if there are points that you'd like to raise with the chief executive, somebody has talked about uh, vaccine uh, concessions, uh, for example, has suggested that. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Philip. Um, and there's some other things that uh, people have mentioned. Then we'll try and work those into the into the uh, those points at least, uh, if not the substance of the letter itself, into the interview. Uh, e though says, dear Backchat, grateful if you could let me know where the questions I raised by email for the CE phone in tomorrow will be one provided to Mrs. Lamb before the event, and two, can you also let your listeners know whether that is the case 
today. Uh, I can't believe that after all this time, the CE has refused to come on to answer backchat questions, read her policy address, but now will not receive listeners' questions or emails live. I think tomorrow's programme is a completely pointless and clumsy PR exercise of her having a party political broadcast and wasting a backchat programme with our usual Q&A when she has her own thrilling TV programme anyway. Pointless exercise, but thank you, Mrs Lamb, for confirming you will stand again for CE. Wow, how that makes my heart glow. That's uh, from uh, EA. Uh, yeah, so the... Uh, no, the questions won't be provided to Mrs Lamb uh, before the uh, uh, event. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's the, that's, the, uh, that's the arrangement. But as I say, if you want to... If there's a particular issue, a topic, a question that you want to put to the Chief Executive, um, uh, drop us a line and we'll do our best, as I say, to work that into into uh, the discussion uh, on to today's discussion Andrew Kay says Regina is right it's you who's living in a world of assumptions uh, Will says Regina of course is no stranger herself to jetting off to a new start in the UK when times are tough here all that Asian hate and the UK's woeful education system and draconian freedom of expression don't seem to put her off could Regina enlighten us, please, when the last time someone in the UK had 30 police officers turn up at their door to arrest them for hanging an anti-government banner out of their window or sent someone to prison for abusing a flag? That's uh, from uh, Will. Uh, Rick says, doesn't this uh, awful woman realise she's a huge part of the problem? No balance in her flawed assessment. Uh, John says, Carrie Lam has destroyed one country, two systems the day she did not listen to the Hong Kong people. You know, when the government of the country does not listen and abandon the majority of the people, it's time for the people to abandon that country. This is what's happening uh, in Hong Kong. Only people who worship authority and are so-called loyal patriotic garbage will remain. That comes uh, from John. Uh, and uh, Jim uh, has a, posts a uh, story... Uh, a statement by uh, Alan Mack, uh, MP, who's a, is a British uh, MP. Uh, he's a Chinese, British Chinese uh, heritage. Uh, he's a government, conservative government whip and MP, and he's written uh, a piece about the uh, British Chinese contribution to the UK. He says it's a success story that should be told more often. Uh, and there's a link to a story about that. On uh, Well, let's go to an email from, from Peter, uh, who says uh, the numbers of uh, Hong Kong leaving are too exaggerated. Uh, uh, visa applications doesn't equal people leaving. For instance, out of the 30,000 visa applications for the UK, just 7,200 have been approved. Canada revealed in May that its new immigration pathway for Hong Kong residents drew 5,727 applications in the first three months after its February launch. The approval rate might be only 30% or less. In a city with a population of 7.5 million people, these numbers are rather small. Overall, I wouldn't be surprised that in the end, more people coming back or moving to, the U or moving to Hong Kong than leaving. And to all the rioters and anti-government protesters leaving who endorsed and supported the violence and now choose to self-exile themselves to other countries, good riddance. That comes uh, from Peter. Once again, backchatter.hk.hk is our e email address. Um, we're, we're joined by uh, Janine Mew, a UK uh, immigration lawyer, uh, founder of UK Immigration Specialist, and, and John Bacon Schoen, uh, now an honorary professor in the Faculty of Social Science at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, Janine Mew, what, what about that point that visa applications doesn't equal people leaving? Uh, um, Peter says that of the 30,000 visa applications for the UK, just 7,200 have been approved. Do you want to comment on that? 
Yeah, I think the obviously the number of application has been very high because in the past the threshold for immigrating to the UK is actually quite high. People have to go on the investment route or business route or road route, and I think for a lot of Hong Kong people they see that as a as a golden opportunity because the threshold for the BNO visa is, you know, it's 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 really low. Basically, everyone has a BNO status um, can apply, and I think um, looking at the approval rates, I think it is because due to the high number of applications, there are still a lot of pending applications. And so out of the 30,000 applications, you know, only a certain percent has been approved. But I can see that from from my own experience in the past, you know, six months, we have achieved 100% of success rates. And I would say that, you know, the, the general approval rate is a lot higher than a lot of other visas. And I'm sure for a lot of the pending applications, the visas will be positive. Um, but coming to the fact that, you know, whether or not people will really move after they got a visa, um, as I said, I would think that, you know, 80 or 90 percent would move because they have a visa. And, you know, for many, it's, it's, it's a golden chance because before they wouldn't even have the chance to get a visa. It was so difficult. Mm. And I think for the remaining people, you know, they have struggled. Some people would come to me and say that they want to earn more money in Hong Kong for the next year or so before they move. Mm. And as I said, it's, it's really about determination. Um, and, you know, whether or not people will return back to Hong Kong, I think it's probably too early to come in because the BNO visa was only, you know, announced since early this year and it has only been six months or so. People have only started moving and, you know, I think maybe in a year or two years' time, we would have more accurate figures than we can come in by then. Mm. Do, do, can you get any idea whether it's kind of increasing or is it decreasing? Was there, you know, was there a... Was there a a bunch of people who wanted to emigrate and, and now it's kind of tailing off or is it rising? Any? I think the number is rising, especially because of the LOTR, Leave Outside Immigration Rules. A lot of people have decided to you know, go to the UK before the deadline of the LOTR and apply in the UK. But I would still think that at least for the half of this year, a lot of people would still be moving mm. because people come to us, they, they, you know, they have plans and I think at least for this year, the trend will still be going. Uh, and, you mean, and you're in touch with a lot of these people, and maybe it's not scientific, but from your experience, do people regret? Do they find it very difficult, the transition of going and working and living and moving the whole families and uprooting and going to the UK? I think they are good or bad. The good thing is that a lot of time the children are very well adapted to the UK education. Um, you know, they, they really like the school and, and they adapted very well because they're usually very young and, and they get along very well. They, they like the system. I think the difficult part is for the parents because usually, you know, not you know, not, not everyone have a very substantial savings. And for them, you know, moving to a new country, finding a job, especially after COVID, I think it's, is the hardest part. But I, I wouldn't say that I have come across anyone that come to me and say that they have regretted. I would say that they have, they have a lot of struggles and anxiety. And I think it would take time for them to settle down. But I think, you know, in general, the feedback that we have received are actually quite positive. Um, before COVID, I used to travel to the UK a few times per year and I think you know the happiest moment is that when you see a family they move there they have their new house and their children generally they say that they, they really enjoy reading when they was in Hong Kong they do not enjoy reading books when they're UK they, they make good friends and they really like there so I think for a lot of the parents you know nothing is more important for their children and I think you know the, the happiness of the children you know really make them stay and make them think that the decision is worth to move 
Uh, John Bacon Shown, good morning, good morning to you. Um, sure. Yeah, what do we know about why people are uh, emigrating? I, th- I think it, it's largely uh, anecdotal still at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, I th- it, as far as I know, nobody has done uh, serious research. And again, I think people may not always know themselves entirely reason. But I think, as, as the lady just pointed out, uh, it is something like a, it seems like an opportunity to people, right? Even people who perhaps might have thought of moving before but thought they couldn't get a visa, suddenly it seems like the, the British government in particular, but also the Canadian and Australian, have, have loosened the rules, made it, made it more easy to move. Uh, I mean, I think Regina made a comment about the economic situation, but the UK's economy is, is not particularly good at the moment, right? There's both the COVID effect and still the Brexit effect. So I, I think, I mean, from the anecdotal experience I've had from my former students, I think quite a lot of them went without talking to an immigration consultant uh, and weren't very well prepared. They didn't have a job lined up in many cases. Mm. And so it, it is a struggle for those people, I think. So the, the, mate, the best ones, perhaps, uh, are the organized ones who talked to a consultant and, and got help. But I think there is a lot who, who haven't got that level of, of experience. And sometimes the family members are not very supportive either. Mm. either. So I think, you know, we will find some people who, who go and make a success of it and enjoy it. Some people who will discover that it, that it is difficult for them to get jobs. In that sense, I think it will be like 1997 that we will get some people who will come back. Mm. But I think it, you know, it will take at least a year or two uh, before we start to understand how serious the, the long-term impact is. Right. Do you have a lot of students that went there? Because like you just mentioned, you know. I, I, well, so I, I mainly have had graduate students rather than undergraduate students who've mm-hmm. told me about this. Mm-hmm. So I have about uh, six or seven, I guess, who, right. who've contacted me generally because they wanted references mm-hmm. for getting jobs. And right. I think for some of them, uh, it's difficult mm-hmm. because they've left at relatively short notice. They haven't been very organized. But there are others. So I know of some academics who've, who've left and taken jobs in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, they were generally able to get jobs. But so with I think they weren't well prepared. I mean, I, yeah. I know of one who took a job uh, at the University of Northumbria, mm. and he told me that none of his family members had, had gone to the UK before, right. and he'd only gone a couple of times. So they, they really weren't very well prepared for, for the move, but they were determined to go and, and give it a try. Mm-mm-mm. So I think that you know there is a range of situations from the ones who are well-organized and can afford to hire an immigration consultant for the ones who think they they know enough or the ones who basically just decided, you know, the door is open, anyway. let's go through mm. it and see what's on the other side. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, a lot of comments uh, on Facebook. TC says, I disagree with the notion that Hong Kongers who immigrate to Western countries will be relegated to second-class citizens. Sam Hoy is partly to blame for the widespread use of the term second-class citizens, a line in his inspirational song in 1990. depicted a desire to stay because he doesn't want to move to a foreign country to be second-class citizens. Just because a song is good, it doesn't mean the lyrics are automatically true. As a Canadian, I can vote or be a candidate for public offices, ranging from my city, home city's park commission,
Commissioner to Member of Parliament for the Canadian House of Commons. But as a Hong Konger, my voting right is limited to DC and LegCo elections, so I consider myself more of a second-class citizen as a Hong Konger. In my experience, the ethnic Chinese immigrants who actually consider themselves second-class citizens are people who rarely go outside Chinatowns, who spend most of their time watching TVB programmes and have little interest in integrating into the country that they go to. That's uh, from uh, TC. John John says most government officials in Hong Kong have their children and spouses, foreign uh, residences or kids are sent abroad for education and eventually obtain residence there. That says it all. Uh, Bob just says, Regina, really? Oh, no, please. Sorry, oh, please, no. Uh, TC says it's not just yellow ribbons who want to leave. Many blue ribbons with financial abilities and young families are also choosing to emigrate. The latter group don't choose to be blue ribbons because they're particularly patriotic, but the status quo provided them with a high standard of living. With Hong Kong caught in the crossfire of US-China relations, the standard of living is noticeably decreasing. These pragmatic individuals, to quote another back chat listener, are voting with their feet. That's once again from uh, TC. Uh, um, CW Sorry, says... Can I just add yeah, one go on. point? I mean, I think one thing that for people, again, people who went earlier, there is one important difference. There is one negative thing. Unfortunately, COVID has had a negative effect on people's perception of, of Chinese overseas. Mm. I think previously, when people migrated because of 1997, uh, Asians generally, and particularly Chinese, were seen as low-profile uh, good citizens, right? Mm -hmm. There was relatively negative, a little negative attitudes, whereas I think, thanks to Trump and others, right, the, mm -hmm. the fact that COVID was seen as a, as a Chinese virus, mm -hmm. uh, however you feel about that labeling, the fact is that there is far more anti-Chinese uh, attitudes now than there was at that time. So I think that, that part is, is not to be ignored, and that may be a problem for some people. Janine Mew? I think so, it is more complicated. Do, do, do you agree with that, Janine Mew? I think for some it's it's difficult, but as I said, I think many of them see them as a go to chance, and it's it's really about determination. All right, some more uh, comments. So CW says, Regina, sounds like sour grapes to me. What about the positives for the UK? Democracy, cheaper housing, good social support, great education system, good job opportunities, stop scaremongering. Both Hong Kong and the UK are great places to live. That's from uh, CW. Uh, Bowen says, people like Andrew Lung, and now John Bacon Schoen, who unthinkingly point to the number of Hong Kong emigrants who have returned from the West after the handover, should be reminded that the Hong Kong that these people came back to was very different from the Hong Kong now and will become in future. He was right to point out that before, people left because of uncertainty. Now, because they are leaving because of certainty. The certainty that the authorities appear determined to Hong Kong into like other Chinese cities. Before, there were mere doubts. Now, there are no illusions. That's uh, from uh, Bowen. Um, uh, Philip says, uh, Good morning. People are leaving to the UK for a better life, not to protest. Mrs Yip seems to comment that UK laws are tightening in terms of protesting. I personally know 25 close friends who have sold up here, brought two houses in the UK, one for living and one for renting out. Maybe Mrs Yip, uh, ask Mrs Yip why so many legislators or their spouses or kids have foreign passports. That comes uh, from uh, Philip. 
Charles says, historically, Hong Kong was always considered a transit home to stop off after fleeing China before heading somewhere else. As an expatriate, I left my home country some 40 years ago, and while it's a great place to visit, it's not without some very real problems that are not being managed with a long-term view in mind. Patch and paste politics. So, if some choose to leave, that is their decision, but attempting to understand emotions as the decision point is nigh on impossible. Maybe history will say they made the right decision. We simply don't know. Hong Kong's future is tied to the GBA and its position therein. So, given the potential growth possibilities, things don't look so bad. That's from uh, Charles. Uh, James says, Dear Regina, no need to worry about democracy, no need to worry about freedom of press, no need to worry about rule of law, no need to worry about liberal education. Welcome to Hong Kong. Regina, how was Canada and the US? You couldn't get a good degree in Beijing? Question mark. Please explain your hypocrisy. Uh, John, I'll deal with that in a moment, John. Uh, Peter says, of course, your immigration consultant on the show will say that the approval rate for immigration applications handled by her company is 100% because immigration consultants act as a filter. They will reject anyone else who wouldn't qualify in the first place. These numbers cannot be taken as a reference. That's from uh, Peter. And uh, GT says, I believe many emigrate because of the draconian uh, COVID restrictions uh, that we have here. Uh, thank you very much, uh, one and all, for your uh, emails, for, for your for your thoughts. Uh, thank you very much indeed to uh, Janine Mew, uh, UK Immigration Lawyer, founder of UK Immigration Specialists, and John Bacon Schoen, an honorary professor in the Faculty of Social Science at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, okay, uh, John says, uh, I did mention uh, Nixie in my earlier email. Her name was not mentioned, Hugh, so are you going to vet and censor some emails from now uh, onwards? He also says, how many governments... <laughs> officials have their kids and spouses foreign residents uh thank you uh john I, 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 it's it's a very hard thing to join but i am i do uh i won't read out things that just strike me as basically insults uh i i, I think um the, me? i got used yeah, to that <laughs> yeah no i guess <laughs> it's worse next thing okay uh, so i'll read it later <laughs> i um so as i say um it's you know it's, uh, the the comments are, are um what Bacha is about uh, and the high quality of, of comments and <laughs> and keeping it uh, polite and keeping it reasoned is something that we really value and that's kind of the whole point of Backchat, uh, really. Um, so um, I, I, I don't read out insults. Of course, what mm. constitutes an insult, it's hard to draw a line uh, <laughs> on the spot. Um, you can send so, me a Facebook inbox if okay. you really want to, <laughs> you want to insult, insult me. If you want to uh, <laughs> uh, insult Nixie. All right. Right. Uh, David says, I don't think we should be listening to someone who was sacked for insulting Hong Kong people and ran away from Hong Kong to the USA of all places with her tail between her legs. That's uh, from uh, David. KS says, as an English expatriate who's lived in Hong Kong for over 41 years, I have to agree with Regina Yip. People are mainly leaving Hong Kong because they're scared of the national security law. However, if they think they'll get a better life, I think they are sadly mistaken. Minimum wage in the UK might be higher, but income tax and VAT soon reduces salaries. Crime is rampant, especially in the big cities where Hong Kong is head for, London, Manchester, Birmingham, Liverpool and so on. The healthcare system has been found wanting for many years. Just look at the number of COVID deaths in the UK. How many UK residents leave the UK in search of a better life every year? I don't have the figures, but I'm sure they are huge. That comes uh, from uh, KS. And uh, Sam says, Dear Backchat, one country's terrorists are accepted as freedom fighters in another country. Most of these migrations from Hong Kong has a hidden agenda. Most are riding on the wave of disturbance in Hong Kong to regroup elsewhere. 
That's uh, from uh, Sam. Okay, finally today, let's go to DSE. The, the DSE. <laughs> uh, Dion Chen uh, joins us now. She's chairperson of the Hong Kong Direct Subsidy uh, Scheme, uh, Scheme Schools uh, Council. Uh, good morning to you. Hello, morning, morning Thank, everyone. Thanks very much morning. indeed for, for for joining us. Okay, so uh, you know, good news for, for for many students and some perfect scores uh, and so on uh, in the DSA results this year. And also, it seems uh, good opportunities for uh, students who want to go to uh, local uh, universities. Uh, what do you make of the results this year and uh, the implications for for students who who want to study here? Right, I think I like uh, from the news or what is. Uh, understand that like this year, there are relatively the number of students, and uh, I mean in total, mm. uh, less than last year. And mm. uh, comparatively, uh, this year I believe that students they will be a little bit easier to get into the degree courses in Hong Kong, especially those subsidized by the government. Mm. And uh, in fact, like uh, in Hong Kong, as you all know, that like we have quite a lot of private university degrees or uh, sub degree courses for the students. So this year, I believe that like students. If they are not very picky, then I'm sure that they can find a course that they would like to study in Hong Kong. And uh, especially this year, like, uh, as you all know, like quite a few students, uh, they possibly, possibly before they have the DSE result, they have already planned to leave Hong Kong to study overseas. Mm. So I believe that like, after the first round of the or main round of the Jupiter's result release, there will be quite a number of places uh, you know, given up by some of the students. And uh, so, which means that in the clearing rounds, quite a few students, they already met the university entrance requirements. They possibly will have the opportunities to get into the subsidized university places. Right. Is there a lot of students decided to, like, study abroad? Uh, as far as I know, like, at least uh, I know more than 15 students. Like, they told me that... Uh, before they got the results, I mean, and mm. they already like got plans and already got the conditional offers. Even some of them, I call them unconditional offers to go to study abroad, mm. mainly the UK. Right. Um, it's like it's like, like the figure is it like much difference to like previous years, or is there any special <laughs> things that they make them take the move or anything like that? personal feeling that I feel that like this year we got a bit more students they plan to study overseas mm. uh, before the result released. Mm-hmm. As you all know, like uh, it's quite common that after the result release, then a lot of uh, education expo uh, mm-hmm. will be organized around Hong Kong. Yeah. So students, use, some of them, they usually were based on the result, but they did not really get the uh, very well expected results. So then they will go to this expo to find opportunities to study overseas. Mm. But quite a few of them this year, they have already planned to study overseas. So that's why they even applied it before these kind of expos, uh, you know, uh, pop up. There, there was some controversy over the IB results, wasn't there, uh, worldwide, uh, that uh, this, there were sort of claims that there had been some kind of grade inflation and that a lot more people had done better. Uh, um, and of course, other people just said, "Well, that's because they're working harder," uh, uh, and so on. I mean, I know people have have faced a lot of challenges. Students have faced a lot of extra challenges, and we've got an interesting email from Mr. Tang. I'll get to in a moment uh, on that this this year. Um, but you know, any thoughts on are the examiners going easier this year, or do you think the the, the level is higher, or is it just the same, or or what? <laughs> uh, well, I think it's quite common really say that like uh, you know the because of the grades this year were really much better than previous years and uh, there's possibly people who associated that like the markers were a bit lenient on marking 
But I believe that like they are all professional exam board, so they have their standards, and uh, they definitely have uphold their kind of their marking uh, rubrics and also marking expectations. I believe that like maybe because of um, these few years, like because of pandemic and whatever reasons, then uh, quite a lot of students they possibly they have more time to really focus on study or nowhere to go. <laughs> And uh, so then they will probably spend more time on their preparation for university application and also for public exams. So that may be one of the reasons that the students will get a bit better results than previous one. Mm. Uh, uh, it's also been reported that uh, after the uh, DSC, uh, some experts believe that the Chinese mainland will remain the first choice for secondary school graduates uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, is that tally with your experience? Yeah, but definitely, definitely like a few, uh, I can't say a lot then, okay, I definitely know quite a few students like they really plan to study in uh, in mainland. Mm. And as you know, like mainland universities, their reputation, also their uh, ranking, the worldwide ranking, mm. also getting higher and higher than before. Mm. And, uh, in, and especially like uh, mainland, I believe that some of the cities or uh, like the, uh, and the universities, I mean, not just only the facilities, but also the quality and also like even the lifestyle, everything is much more closer to those uh, who live in Hong Kong. Mm. So uh, that's why I think the students, they, they find that well, going to study in mainland is not really far different from the expectations. So uh, especially in the past few years, the government uh, promoted a lot like studying in mainland is another option. So uh, that's why like uh, more and more and more students, they are interested in studying overseas, but I mean mainland. All right. Here's an email finally from, from Mr. Tang, who is a teacher, uh, as far as I know. Uh, he says the uh, DSC 2021 cohort have definitely gone through multiple trials and tribulations in the form of school suspensions, abrupt shift to online learning and reduced in-person lesson time owing to the COVID-19 pandemic en route to their public exams. To be able to overcome such challenges and complete their public exams while adapting to the necessary exam adjustments is no small feat per se. So regardless of their exam results, they should applaud themselves for having jumped through all the hurdles. Hong Kong is a knowledge-based city where academic success is emphasised as it is a deep-rooted belief that remarkable public exam results guarantee a universal degree, a promising career and a stable income. However, DSE is just the first of many obstacles young adults need to encounter in life and even if they face setbacks, there are multiple pathways for students to embark on aside from a university degree. Sub-degree programmes, including associate degrees and higher diplomas, are plenty, but students need to choose programmes carefully after thorough consultation with careers, teams, teachers, parents and alumni. One's academic ability, interest and career aspirations are the salient features that should be taken into consideration before an informed decision is made. Such decision-making should be based entirely on rational judgment and analysis rather than emotional appeal of a programme. Senseless moves, such as choosing the same programme as the best friend does or picking the programme based on word-of-mouth information should be avoided. DSE is not the be-all and end-all of education. Students should summon their courage and continue to develop their emotional toughness in the wake of the results, release of results. Results, which may come in handy later in life. That's from uh, Mr. Tang. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Dion Chen, thank you very much indeed. Chairperson of the thank Hong Kong right. Direct Subsidy uh, Schemes Schools Council. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Nixie, thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us once again. Uh, so uh, the Chief Executive will be joining us, uh, as I say, in the studio tomorrow for an interesting interview, uh, we hope. Uh, that'll also be uh, on Facebook Live and, fingers crossed, on YouTube Live uh, as well. Uh, we hope to uh, air it there. Uh, 
Um, after that, I will be taking two weeks off uh, myself and uh, Danny Gittings and uh, Jim Gould uh, will be in the chair. So if I'm not here on Monday, it's not because of <laughs> what happened on Friday, necessarily. The weather forecast, sunny periods and isolated showers. Hot during the day, temperatures up to 32 degrees. The outlook, it's going to be very hot and hazy, apart from a few showers in the next couple of days. 29 Celsius now, relative humidity is at 82%. The elderly are at high risk of life-threatening conditions from COVID-19. The virus can damage one's heart, lungs and brain. It may cause multiple organ failure that requires intubation in an ICU. After effects can hamper a recovery. Vaccines reduce risks of serious illness, hospitalization and death. Experts advise that any elderly person who has had a flu shot can safely receive COVID-19 vaccines. Get vaccinated early. 932, the news now with Todd Harding. A representative of the convention industry says the government is imposing more rather than fewer restrictions on it by placing it in its vaccine bubble scheme. Stuart Bailey, the chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association, said the latest requirements were both unnecessary and logistically impossible. The most senior U.S. general has acknowledged that the Taliban seem to have strategic momentum in Afghanistan and now control half the districts in the country, but stressed that despite their successes, a takeover by the Taliban was not a foregone conclusion. And the disgraced former Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein has pleaded not guilty to 11 new charges of rape and sexual assault involving five women at a preliminary hearing in California. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of and costume designer, great interpreter of Beethoven, and well, also shy, quiet, and retiring doggy counts co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults. It's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decipher of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is the Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Thursday, right here on The Morning Brew. Because today's the day when our vet, Dr David Gething, will be with us for his weekly rounds. Today, on the back of an interesting listener email a couple of days ago, he wants to talk about never ruling out the possibility of a heart condition, especially in an elderly animal. Looks can be deceiving, might be tired, lethargic, but dizzy, all of the above. The Tokyo Olympics and our coverage of it with Danny starts tomorrow. Today after 12 we're going to find out a little about Hong Kong's Olympics history and how our top athletes are trained here these days. Trisha Leahy is the chief executive of the Hong Kong Sports Institute and she will be with us for a chat. (laughs) 